1: blog, talk, radio.
2: Lucis Trust, a non-profit, non-political, and non-sectarian organization, On the roster of the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations and concerned with the establishment of world cooperation and goodwill, presents Inner Sight with your host, Robert Anderson. He, with Sarah and Dale McKechnie, President and Vice President of Lucis Trust, will discuss philosophical and spiritual topics essential to everyday life. Now here's your host, Robert Anderson.
3: Welcome. Inner Sight is simply seeing that which is always present, but not yet fully recognized. You have, within you, the ability to see yourself and the world around you in a new way, with new eyes. So, stay with us and together, we'll look at the world and ourselves with Inner Sight. Our topic for today, the United Nations. And before we explore this topic, I'd like to say a few words about Alice Bailey, the founder of Lucis Trust. And Lucis Trust is an organization that sponsors this show. And additionally, Alice Bailey wrote 24 books of esoteric philosophy, and those 24 books are the main inspiration for the dialogue that you hear in this show. The following thought is also from the works of Alice Bailey. When the United Nations has emerged into factual and actual power, the welfare of the world will then be assured. What is that welfare but love in action? What are right human relations but love among men, groups, and nations? What is international cooperation but love on a world scale? How did the founding of the United Nations come about, and also what prompted it?
2: That's um, an interesting point that people may not really be aware of. Um, The theme of our last discussion on InnerSight was how to respond to the suffering of others, and the United Nations itself was humanity's response to global suffering. The um, League of Nations, the forerunner of the United Nations, was formed in the aftermath of World War I by Woodrow Wilson. It didn't um, have a very long life. There were problems, problems within the system of the League of Nations and problems with nations being unwilling to sacrifice self-interest sufficiently to cooperate on an international level. Then there was the second phase of the One War, as Alice Bailey refers to it. We more frequently call it the Second World War. And in the aftermath of the Second World War, the United Nations was founded. In fact, it was uh, founded in 1945, very uh, soon, uh, weeks after the truce in Europe was declared in April of 1945. And the charter for the U.N. was signed in San Francisco on October 24th, 1945. So we have just celebrated the 62nd anniversary of the United Nations. That was uh, a war. World War II was a war in which an estimated 60 million people died.
3: Wow, that many?
2: 60 million. And the Soviet (coughs) Union alone lost 20 million. It's staggering when you think about 20 million people. The United States lost half a million. So there was obviously a keen awareness of human suffering, of global suffering at that time, and that prompted certain international um, leaders and people concerned with um, world betterment to come together and um, form the United Nations. It was a response to human suffering. And... We have to remember that now when we criticize it and complain about it. What would you put in its place as a way to respond globally to human problems and human need, human suffering?
1: Yeah. And it's a response, too, I think, for, from from our higher selves, our better selves, to uh, begin to come together and cooperate and to share and to... And to express uh, goodwill and to build relationships rather than build walls and start wars uh, because they never really solve anything. And it's the founding of the UN that gives us the opportunity to build relationships, and this is between nations, between people and between nations, and this is so, so very important for the future of the human race because um, it is only in building right relationships and, <clears throat> and harmonious relationships that this energy of love, which is mentioned in the keynote, the energy of love can flow. and uh, It can't flow where there are walls and barriers and wars and conflicts and separateness and isolation and selfish interest. Uh, this spiritual energy of love uh is our saving grace. And we have to build relationships in order for that energy to flow.
2: I don't know if it's um, commonly understood that nations can be a a source or um, an expression of love between people. But we do have examples in the world. Uh, The Marshall Plan uh, in which uh, the United States um, shipped... Tons and tons and tons of uh, supplies and food to Europe in the aftermath of the war. The response of nations to the East Asian countries that were affected by the tsunami. The global efforts to aid countries in Africa. Nations can indeed be expressions of love. They can also be pathetically uh, oriented towards self-interest. And so often that's what gets in the way when you talk about barriers and walls that limit the UN. Self-interest on a national level is is a big issue. We haven't always had nations um, in human history. I think that probably the earliest expression of some kind of collective affiliation must have been the family. And then the clan, and after that a sense of one's tribe which still prevails in a lot of the world today, an allegiance to one's tribe and not beyond that. Then, in the last few centuries, nations have developed and people have developed a sense of being part of a nation. George Washington, the founder of the United States, was um, really a powerful voice for getting the American colonies which at that time identified with their region, Virginia, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, or whatever, to think of America. So the achievement of a national consciousness at that time was a major step forward. Now we need to go beyond that. And the UN is a collection of nations that come together. People often think that the General Assembly is going to be a place where the governments of the world are told what to do. And. When that doesn't happen, they get very indignant and say, well, the U.N. is useless. But just imagine if the U.N. told the United States what to do. You'd never hear the end of it because sovereignty prevails. National self-interest is sovereignty One's sovereign rights as a nation have to be respected. So it's a misunderstanding to think that the U.N. is going to be um, a form of world government. It's not the phrase that often is said about the UN's um, role in governing is global governance. And that's an interesting uh, point to consider. As I understand global governance, it's not passing laws that supersede or override the nations that belong to the UN. It's an effort to provide some kind of decision-making that will arise out of the member nations through consensus, through the willingness to set aside certain preferred objectives in the interests of a larger whole, and not just on issues pertaining to national policy but to human rights, um, the distribution of resources, the protection of the environment,
1: Yes, all of that, and the the UN is is really an expression of human consciousness, of the expansion of human consciousness, really. Because, I mean, a, f- a couple of centuries ago, it wouldn't have been possible to found the UN because humanity just wasn't ready to uh, handle that uh, large concept like that of a global, um, you know, a global organization. It's a global forum for all the governments of the world to come together to discuss mutual problems. And that's essentially what it is. It isn't going to uh, be a world government as you say. (laughs) It is a forum for discussion and arriving at a consensus of what needs to be done and then setting up uh, mechanisms to handle these world problems and just The U.N. has so many agencies that do handle so many of the world problems that I think most people perhaps are just not aware of of the wide responsibility that the U.N. has worldwide.
2: Yeah, they just think of the General Assembly, don't they, as the U.N.? Right,
1: the General Assembly or the... the, um, Uh, Security Council, because that's where so much of the activity goes on in the Security Council. That's what gets on the news as the conflicts arise and they're worked out and hammered out at the Security Council. But there's so much else going on in the Economic and Social Council and in the the, uh, International Court of Justice. That's another...
2: Dealing with Milosevic and mm-hmm. uh, Charles Taylor.
1: And, uh, mm-hmm. you see, under the Economic and Social Council, there are many sub-councils, and like uh, UNESCO, the United Nations Educational Scientific Cultural Organization. UNICEF. UNICEF uh, Food and Agricultural Organization, FAO. ILO, the International Labor Organization, mm-hmm. the International Monetary Fund. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these come under the agencies of the U.S. and possibly another one that's very active today is, the, um, is UNICEF, but it's also the High Commission on Refugees, mm-hmm. particularly the war in Iraq has just created thousands and thousands, and perhaps millions, of refugees now.
2: Which the UN has to take care and of. And the
1: UN has mm-hmm. to deal with this. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. uh, one of the great uh, blessings that we have, the United this United Nations agency that is established just to handle refugees in the world, wherever they are.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's it's, uh, it's a great mark on human consciousness that they can come up and comprehend these vast problems that occur on a worldwide basis now and that is a tremendous um tremendous um skill of the human consciousness
2: and uh they must be successful at it the high commission on refugees because didn't they win the nobel peace prize a few years ago when sadako (coughs) kappa was the secretary general of that um branch uh I don't think the U.N. begins to get the credit it deserves. A few years ago, there was that terrible flu in Asia that swept through Hong Kong and China. It wasn't the bird flu, was it? It was the one before that. Um, I You might
1: be right. It might have been the bird flu.
2: Or, yeah, it was really...
1: SARS. Um,
2: SARS yes.
1: epidemic. Yeah.
2: Yes, that was it. And the World Health Organization, which is another branch of the U.N., went into action immediately... And now we can't even readily sum up the name of that flu because it's been, I don't know if it's been eradicated, but it's been um, contained. And at the time, it was extremely frightening, especially with international travel being so easy. They were fearing a global pandemic. I
3: remember, yeah, it was Mm -hmm. uh, even being uh, talked about that on the news uh, in that way.
2: It it, uh, came as far, uh, as close to our border as Canada, I believe. Some people from Asia entered into Toronto uh, with that illness. Mm -hmm. But the World Health Organization, with its global system of information and uh, resources, was able to put the procedures in place that check that disease. So that's just one more example of uh, the U.N. system being kind of taken for granted yeah. and so effective in so many ways.
3: For those people who just tuned in, you're listening to Intersight, and our topic for today, the United Nations. We have something uh, that I might uh, I might label it, define it as a gift, coming from Lucy's Trust to you because it's available for free from Lucis Trust. From the Lucis Trust you'll get it for free. It's a pamphlet and the title of the pamphlet is The United Nations Humanities Challenge. Now this pamphlet is available at no charge once again, so when you call there's not even a shipping charge. Uh, uh, I think a lot of people who are teachers, educators, you might be especially interested in this uh, pamphlet. You might be able to draw lessons from it. and. Once again, the title of the pamphlet, The United Nations Humanities Challenge, available at no charge. (coughs) It offers a review of current ideas for U.N. reform, as well as a depiction of the spiritual significance of the United Nations. So, what you have to do is uh, give us a call on our toll-free number. Uh, That's 1-866-695-8247. Uh, or you could um, call us. Uh, the easy way to remember it is 1866 NY Lucis, Lucis L U C I S. I think of 1866 New York Lucis, uh, and we'll be happy to send it out to you free of charge. Uh, by the way, we appreciate your help. Uh, many of you have been make- making donations, both large and small. And collectively, those donations uh, help to keep us on the air. They are tax-deductible. So if you'd like to donate and help us in our efforts to keep doing these shows, uh, send donations to Lucas Trust, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. That's Lucas Trust, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. <coughs> All of our insight programs can be heard on our website at www.lucistrust.org. On the home page, you'll find a link to today's program, which will be available for hearing in a day or two. Last week's program is already available. And many of our past programs can also be heard, www.lucistrust.org. The theme of each week's program is posted in advance on our website also, so that you can see in advance what next Sunday's program will be and um, I was thinking of what you were saying Sarah and, and Dale and um, I think you're right Sarah the uh, United Nations really doesn't get uh, enough credit and that's uh, oh, that's too bad I'd like to see them uh, get credit for what they do there's so yeah. much good work that they yeah. do that uh, is not really acknowledged by uh, by the news media or anything but The Lucis Trust is going to be putting an emphasis on the spiritual significance of nations in some work this fall. Can you say more about that?
2: Yes, and we will be having um, uh, an individual who works with the United Nations system to speak at our meeting. It's on Saturday, November 10th uh, in the afternoon from 1.30 to 5 or 5.30. And its theme is going to be Evoking the Soul of the Nations. As listeners to our program know, we've discussed that not only individuals but groups and even nations can be the expression of a soul, mm-hmm. the soul of a people. And um, we are going to focus on that theme in all three headquarters of the Lucis Trust through our work with World Goodwill, which is our activity that um, is linked to the United Nations Office uh, Department of Public Information. And in focusing on Evoking the Soul of the Nations, we're going to have um, an opening talk by Marco Toscano Rivalta, who is Humanitarian Affairs Officer with the United Nations Office for the Coordination of Human Affairs. And he'll be speaking on Evoking the Soul of the Nations as a collective act of will through the United Nations. We're going to have three individuals who are themselves immigrants, to speak on the contribution of immigrants to a nation's soul quality. We're going to have a period of group discussion on how people who are committed to world service can help to evoke the soul expression of their nation. We will have meditation, and it will be um, an afternoon of group work to highlight the spiritual opportunity that is working out through the nations of the world. I don't know if people are really so familiar with the idea of global affairs, world affairs, as being spiritual. I think the more prevailing concept is to think that you have to withdraw from all things having to do with the world to be spiritual. But if we can't make the world and human relationships spiritual, what's the point mm, yeah, because I we're s- we're supposed to redeem life on earth and uh, that's humanity's role so to focus on the UN seems to me a deeply spiritual subject
1: well of course spiritual doesn't mean religious in mm-hmm. this case it it really has little to do with religion as such because spiritual really has to do with the expansion of consciousness and it's um wherever there is an expansion of consciousness, no matter what phase of life, what aspect of life you're in, what job, what professional life, there is always the opportunity for expanding your consciousness. If you're in a a business of some kind, then um, there is suddenly a a greater awareness for your employees. Maybe you have an expansion of consciousness and uh, wanting to take care of the employees and look out for their welfare, that's kind of a spiritual advancement because it is awakening your mind and your heart to something greater lying outside of yourself. <clears throat> so it represents a next stage um, for you to take. So the UN is also uh, providing a tremendous global expansion of consciousness, and that's, that's another reason why we have uh, so much emphasis on globalization today because of the UN. It provides a global forum for so many people to come together and discuss great issues like, like the uh, environment and uh, global warming. Uh, the UN has had conferences, many conferences, on this great issue. And is it's because the, uh, the expansion of consciousness that all the members and people involved in the UN today are so keyed up and so interested in this issue, and we all recognize it as something that the world has to get behind <clears throat> and uh, take care of.
2: Ban Ki-moon, who is the new Secretary General of the United Nations, has just issued a uh, a message, I guess we could call it, in commemoration of U- United Nations Day, which was October 24th mm-hmm. this year. And he points out that the world is, he thinks, changing in favor of the United Nations because more and more people and governments... He says, our understanding that multilateralism is the only path in our increasingly interdependent and globalizing world. Global problems demand global solutions, he says, and going it alone is not a viable option. And yet so often, especially the more powerful nations, the wealthier nations of the West, such as Europe and especially the United States, think I think that they feel they can go it alone. That's essentially what happened in the decision to go into Iraq, wasn't it? We, we sort of coerced the Security Council into consenting to it, but if they hadn't consented, I think the U.S. would have gone in anyway. And that kind of thinking seems to me very old age, because if we don't grasp our interrelationship as a planet and uh, realize the need to cooperate with each other. I don't know what lies ahead of us. And Ban Ki-moon points out that this glo- growing globalization is giving us the opportunity to address huge problems like the environment, climate change, uh, human rights, the, the uh, Millennium Development Goals, which I haven't really gotten enough attention to remind people those goals include the eradication of extreme poverty and hunger, the achieving of a universal primary education, promotion of gender equality, the reduction of child mortality, the improvement of maternal health, combating HIV, AIDS, and malaria. Anybody who read a recent issue of National Geographic knows malaria is a devastating illness still ensuring environmental sustainability and developing a global partnership for development those are the Millennium goals
1: right and we're still striving towards those goals that we haven't met uh, I mean the nations of the world haven't really met those goals yet and because the Kyoto treaty was also part of those um, those goals and um, so we haven't we haven't met these these goals that have been laid out by the United Nations, and whether we will or not will be. Uh, it's up to, to us. <laughs> nice to be seen, that's right.
2: It's up to us. One interesting insight um, from the books of Alice Bailey to point out is her statement that Fourth Ray workers were involved in the founding of the United Nations. To remind our listeners, the Fourth Ray is the ray of harmony through conflict. And She said it was the capacity of these fourth-ray workers to harmonize new ideas with old traditional approaches that was so effective because that ensured that there wouldn't be any dangerous break or rupture in the development of the programs and the attitudes and the policies that would be necessary for the coming era. And when you think about the U.N., it is definitely an experiment in harmony through conflict, the terrific pressures being put on the U.N. Mm -hmm. Uh
1: Yeah, and it's a growing thing for humanity is growing through this crisis period and in this great crisis period and this transition from one age to the next. And the United Nations is is hoping and is pushing to reorganize human thought. And I think that is one of the new age principles that is uh, emerging to... uh, that is is trying to manifest through human consciousness to reorganize our way of thinking about ourselves and the world. And uh, that is a a new age kind of impulse right there.
3: I remember... uh... Something that Sarah said at a seminar one time that really intrigued me. Oh, dear. Uh, No, no, it was very very interesting, actually. Someone had uh, come up with the idea, well, we're still having wars, we're still having skirmishes, so what has the UN uh, done? And I remember your answer to it was, uh, not everything in life can be measured, that you can't imagine how many talks and dialogue, how much dialogue has gone uh, gone on at the UN, and perhaps how many wars have been averted by that dialogue, which I thought was an interesting answer, uh, Sarah. So... By the way, for those people who would like to take advantage of our uh, our gift, uh, please give Lucis Trust a call and ask for the gift. The title of the gift is, uh, well, actually it's a pamphlet, the title of which is The United Nations Humanities Challenge, free of charge, not even a shipping charge. Uh, just give us a call on our toll-free number, 1-866-695-8247, or the easy way to remember it is 1-866-NYLUCIS.com. L-U-C-I-S, L-U-C-I-S for LUCIS. Think of 1866 new york Lusas. You've been listening to Inner Sight. Now we would like to close with a world prayer called The Great Invocation. It's a call for light and love and goodwill to flow into the world and into our hearts. Let's listen for a moment to these powerful words.
2: Of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds, let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts, may the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills
0: It's official. Every day is game day at Buffalo Wild Wings. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $3. We know every day is for sports as mandated by Buffalo Wild Wings. Watch all the games with people that are here for the right reason with dozens of beers on tap and 21 different flavors of signature sauces and seasonings and a bounty of wings, shareables, burgers, and more. It's built for fans. It's home for sports. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Hey folks, Dirk Bentley here. If you've seen one of my concerts, you know I'm all about energy. Performing, recording, traveling, being a husband and a father, it's a busy life. And I need to be 100% every day. So when my battery starts running low, I grab a sugar-free, vitamin-packed 5-hour energy shot. It tastes great, and it gets me back to 100% fast. Try it. It could work for your busy life too. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com.